Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here it is, your Wednesday, July 14th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. We're ticking down the days. Just a couple of days from now will be the deadline. That comes up on the 17th, just three days from now, for the teams in the NHL to submit their protected list for the 2021 NHL expansion draft. And uh, it's getting closer. And the NHL draft around the corner as well. Free agency there. Things are starting to heat up in the NHL. And Chuck Fletcher, along with uh, Flyers assistant general manager Brent Flair, addressed the media yesterday. And some, some interesting things come out of that. Of course, not speaking in specifics when it comes to targets and whether it be free agents or in trade or, or anything else. But it seemed really clear in that press conference that there's an eagerness to possibly move this 13th overall pick uh, in the 2021 NHL entry draft and use the organizational assets to make the team better now. He said what took place last season was unacceptable, and they have to rectify that this offseason. Also uh, alluded to the fact that the team made several changes uh, in the way they do things, also in personnel. Uh, We don't know what those are just yet. I imagine we'll find those out, whether it be with scouts or front office people or... Uh, Other elements of the organization, probably after the NHL draft, uh, we'll hear about some of those as well and uh, the new hires to go along with it. But in this episode, I had a chance after the media availability to catch up with Flyers Vice President and Assistant General Manager Brent Flair, and he joins us now on Flyers Daily. Brent, how you doing? Good, good. Yeah, it's uh, getting to that exciting time of year, so lots of of things to do, but uh, yeah, we're, we're getting there. As a guy that's been involved in personnel for so long and draft and evaluation of draft prospects and all those elements, I imagine that this now week and change leading up to the actual draft is like, okay, let's just get on with it, isn't it? Yeah, no, th- this year's a little unique because, uh, you know, we're bringing in our amateur scouts a little bit earlier than normal um, just because uh, normally our, our list is pretty firm. We'll have a couple tweaks this this year. I think we got a little, some more discussions to to do uh, early next week before we get to draft time. So uh, that just comes with the territory with uh, the situation we've had to deal with this year. So, uh, but I like getting people in person and uh, it's a lot easier to, to make final decisions. Really drill down on kind of everything. Drilling down this year is a little bit different though, um, not just because of the expansion draft, but because of obviously the pandemic and you know lack of eyes on. Some players have played uh, more than others. Some haven't played that, that you guys may be looking at. How's that process been kind of weeding through that and, you know, finding the players that are going to be the, the value pick if, if they should be there at 13 versus, you know, players that maybe you didn't see a little bit? Yeah, I know it's, it's unique. And obviously we've, we've had our challenges like anybody else as far as lack of viewings in certain areas. Uh, the U.S., luckily, we've, we've, you know, probably been seeing too much this year, uh, but Obviously, a province like Ontario, majority of their players didn't play at all, which is which is challenging. So it's it's unique in that we've done our background checks, talking to coaches, agents, players that we should know about that maybe we don't. Uh, you know, back in early, so we've done our research, we've uh, gathered names, players that we have upside. We've had our scouts on the ground following up and seeing where they are physically. Uh, we don't have an NHL combine, so we don't even have official heights and weights in a lot of cases for players. So. Uh, yeah, it, it's unique. It's a challenge, but again, it's the same for everybody. So we're, we're working through it. Um, in some cases, we think we may be able to get value just because teams may not know certain players to this level. In other cases, you know, maybe a player that you really like that you've seen a lot, everybody will have a 
better comfort level with that player, so he may go higher than he normally would. So, uh, But anyway, we'll see how it plays out, but it is a challenging year, and hopefully we never have to go through it again. But putting that part aside real quick, how much of it um, is an effect on the actual player missing a season for some of those kids that were slated to play in the OHL? Just from a development standpoint, their arc to maybe getting to the greatest league in the world, the NHL, could be changed because they missed a year. So how much do you think that will affect some of these players that just didn't see a lot of game action? Well, that's an unknown um, in reality. Like, we, we don't know what that this will do long-term to, to certain players. Like, a lot of these kids come into major juniors as a 16-year-old or the USHL is a 16-year-old and don't play a lot. So they, they don't have a big role. They're there. They're training. They're trying to learn. They're getting up to speed. And you follow that up with a complete – year of not playing at all um, and it depends on the individual player what they've been doing so if they're using their time wisely to get stronger and faster and, uh, and whatnot you know it, it probably enables them to be better if they've been sitting on the couch playing video games all year um, obviously their development is probably stunted and, and uh, may not live up to expectations so that's part of the challenge that we've you know we've talked to a lot of these kids and our, our scouts you know whether it be a Zoom, and we can't do it in, in person this year, but we've uh, done our due diligence behind the scenes and and, uh, and gathered as much information as we can, and, and uh, it'll all come into play when we're making the final decisions. This is uh, your second uh, offseason with an expansion draft, and they're all different, and certainly the Vegas one was different. The rules were different than they ever were in the NHL. Same rules this time, but you're dealing with the flat cap, and you're dealing with the pandemic and all of those elements. What's been the difference in this expansion draft offseason approach uh, as compared to a few years ago when Vegas came in? Well, we've had a lot more time to prepare this year, which is makes it a lot easier. Uh, you know, last, last time we... Minnesota, we had a, a good team and we were deep and we had a lot of players that were exposed. Um, you can only protect so many. So we had a lot bigger problems uh, back then uh, than we do now. And uh, but at the same time, we've had more time to prepare to see how it works, uh, you know, on the, on the league span, what other teams are looking to do. So, um, yeah, it's, I think teams are willing to prepare. You understand you're going to lose a player. Uh, no one ever likes to lose an asset, but at the same time, we it's part of the game and, and uh, obviously it'll make the league better uh, adding another team and uh, for fans to understand that this team that's paid this much money for an expansion fee, uh, they deserve to have a decent product on the ice and uh, but it's going to be a challenge for them to, to live up to what Vegas was able to do, that's for sure. Well, there's a couple of approaches they can take too. They, I mean, they could really kind of weaponize cap space and and control things for years to come if they if they choose to go that route. I'm not sure what route Ron Francis is going to go. We'll find that out yeah. in due time. But um, as, as far as, like, keeping your own players in the loop, you know, uh, there's always conjecture out there about certain players are going to be exposed, certain or not. What, what is that element like um, for, for you guys? Just because, you know, if you tell a player, hey, we're not going to protect you, and ultimately they're not taken and, and they do come back here, you want a willing participant and – you know, not to, to for there be any hard feelings there. How will those conversations go? Well, in, in a couple of cases, Chuck has talked to a, a couple of the players and, and notified them, and, and they've had a number of discussions about it. So they're they're aware. And in a couple of cases, that those conversations haven't happened yet, just depending on uh, just in case we are able to do something else this week and, and our list changes. So, uh, but no, it's not an easy conversation. I, I do think players are aware of, you know, 
some of the, the players economics. are they, yeah the, the economics but some players are aware that there's a chance uh they could be on the list and you know their agents keep them up to date but at the same time they're there's probably surprises on every team and in, in our case i don't think there's a lot of surprises but you know it's it's never a great conversation to have but it's just reality of the business we have to deal with and, and uh, players understand expansion and the rules and how it works so uh, but yeah you never want to lose assets and you know you, it's a family here and but you know if you're not taken they come back and, and hopefully they're happy to be back and be a part of it one of the things with this offseason, and I know Chuck mentioned it at the trade deadline and his availability, was a lot of evaluation was going to happen from that point forward with the rest of the season, um, looking for solutions and identifying you know, the people that aren't solutions. Uh, how's that deep dive been really since the end of the season to, to now, with the cup just being handed out last week, that, that self-evaluation of all aspects of the, of the organization? Because I know Chuck mentioned in his availability along with you that there's going to be some changes uh, which haven't been announced yet, but there's going to be some changes and a lot of processes probably changing internally for you guys. So what's that deep dive of self-evaluation been like? Well, I, I think when you have a season like we did, or certainly the end of the season we did, uh, you know, you, you have to sit back first. You take the emotion out of it. Um, you got to let it set a little bit uh, and then go beyond just the players and on the on-ice product. And, and it's the process of how you get to a certain place and in, in winning. So, uh, whether that's reevaluating how we draft staff, uh, development staff, analytics, are all the departments where we looked at and uh, looked at ways we could improve and, and maybe change. Uh, obviously, when Chuck and I first came here, uh, in most cases, we, we uh, kept everybody here and it's been a part of it. Um, we've made a couple of additions uh, here and there, but uh, majority of the staff have remained here in, in, in similar roles. So in some cases, some things are going to change a little bit. In other cases, we'll make some additions to what we feel will help uh, not only staff members, but also uh, structurally how we do things and, um, and you know, just the way we operate. So uh, there'll be some tweaks and we'll announce that in a couple, a little bit. And we've had some changes in Lehigh. Well, uh, the staff down there will, uh, in the way we operate, not only our coaching staff and how they conduct themselves, but also the migrating with that with the uh, development staff and, and the coaching staff up here. So uh, just make sure it's all fluid. Everybody's going the same direction and, and hopefully we're uh, developing players to the best we can. Let me ask you about, um, you know, building a team and you watch the cup final and, you know, I, I, I'd mentioned this on Flyers Daily before that, you know, the final four teams over the last, I think since 2010, the size of their D. And I, I look at, the, you know, the board this year, boy, I see so much size. I mean, look at a kid like Owen Power is going to go at the top of this draft at 6'6". Six, six. And w when you look at what's been working in the league, how much of there is that imitation of, of what's been working to, in, in your mindset of evaluation on player size, maturity, physical maturity as a draft eligible? Well, it's certainly important. Uh, can't lie, but uh, you know it's a copycat league, though it always has been. Yep. I remember when Chicago was winning cups, everybody wants the mobile, uh, puck-moving guy, and and to, doesn't matter if you're big or small. It's you know when Duncan Keith is at the top of his game and being an elite player, and they all these guys and they move the puck other and so well. Um, you know then you know a couple of years later St. Louis is winning and all you're seeing all these big back ends in Tampa now with the big back end, and, um, and you know it's the way the rules are called too, and and. The, Sometimes it changes in the playoffs and, um, yeah, it makes a difference. So uh, we're aware we got, you know, for us, we have a young blue line. We do have some size back there and they're physically, you know, maturing. They're still coming 
I need to come away physically and, and mature on and off the ice. But um, and obviously we, we have some skill coming. We feel, but size is important and certainly is something that we'll take into account uh, uh, draft time. And uh, not every player we, you can get those his big with the skill set you want. So uh, typically those big six six guys, uh, Chris Pronger types are you got to be picking in the top five to, or top two three to to get those type of players. But when they do come along, but um, at the same time, it's a philosophy. Believe me, our our guys want the biggest, fastest, strongest, most skilled player. Uh, the reality is, we're we're drafting 17, 18 year old kids that we're projecting uh, down down the road at 23 and trying to get the best players. So um, you need skill. Uh, some you know, there's still smaller players, especially up front, that are having success. There, Kale McCars and some of these players that are uh, any team would take. I'm sure Tampa would find a spot for him as well. So uh, <laughs> there's. Uh, it's not a perfect science, but at the same time, uh, the grind of the playoffs, the, uh, the physical nature of the playoffs and the condensed schedule and the amount of games and the grind it is to, to win. Uh, you need size. You need uh, competitive people. And um, that's something certainly we're taking into account. You just mentioned that that, that physical grind and, and you got those big bodies in the back. They all got to be able to skate and they got to be able to play. Those days of just having a big lumbering defenseman back there is not going to cut it. Um, let me ask you, because roster building, I think, is so interesting. I keep talking about it on here because you can be built to be a really good regular season team. But as you just alluded to, Brent, like the playoffs, every inch of the, the 200 by 85 is contested. And, you know back pressure there's not time like there is in the regular season you can build a team for success in the regular season you can build a team for success in the postseason um how much of that is okay we got to build a team that's going to comfortably land us in the postseason but we have to also be built for that postseason grind to go on a run uh, how much of uh, you know of that part of it is in roster building as well and cognizant of you know you know you look at a team like toronto for example i mean they do great in the regular season but they haven't won around yet so how much of that is you know, kind of mimicking those teams that are having success and making postseason runs because that's ultimately what it's about. Yeah, there, there's a lot of different things that go into it. And people, you know, they look at a couple of players and say, oh, this team's young, this team's older, this team's whatever. A big part of it is age distribution. If you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning, a lot of their key players are in the peak of their careers. And uh, they've managed to get a large number of those at the same time. And, and obviously they have elite players at, at every position almost. And it took them a while to build that. But um, their group is, you know, they got a lot of guys coming in the, in the prime of their careers, and um, and they're they're an elite team. So uh, obviously, there's, you know, for us, we've we have some older paid players, we have some young players just coming into their own in the next couple of years. Uh, so it's finding that middle ground and getting the closing the gap in between, and, and making sure young players develop and become the best they can. At the same time, uh, just keeping adding pieces one by one that allows you to get the depth and that you need to win in the playoffs. So it's uh, you look at uh, you know maybe Toronto versus Tampa and Tampa, you go down the list. Their their role players play their roles and, and, and very successfully. They have elite skill up front. They have cool size. Team. They got mobility. And then yeah, if you get through that, then you got the elite goaltender. So yeah, uh, perfect storm there. At the same time, uh, it wasn't built overnight either. It takes time. There, it, it almost takes damn near perfection in today's NH. It's not as easy as to win as it was 20 years. And ago. a little luck. And a little luck. You have to, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I've talked about it. I talked to Craig Berube when he won in St. Louis, and he said we had to have some luck along the way. You know, that paddle save Braden Holby makes in, in the playoffs uh, for the Caps. I mean, look, that's a great save. But those kind of things are the difference. And, you know, you know, last year you guys and teams around the league didn't get the opportunity in, as in a normal offseason to reset the roster. 
Do, yeah. do you anticipate because of that lack of movement last year that that's going to bring a glut of movement this year? Well, I, I think there's teams looking to make changes. It's the reality. The flat cap is really interfering uh, with the ability to make a lot of changes. Like people think, oh, just just re- revamp the whole team. Well, it's not that easy. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> contract, contracts are guaranteed in the NHL. Uh, money right now is hard to move because a lot of teams are in the same boat as far as they have limited cap space to to make you know big signings or additions that we all want to do and fans want to do and. Uh, the reality is you need to move money to, to create space to to make big moves and and that's the challenge uh, that most teams are in right now and seattle has the ability to to make deals and add assets at the same time taking some um, players maybe in the short term or long term whatever they do and and some of the teams can you know weaponize their cap space and and really benefit right now so uh, there's very few teams with a lot of it though and, and there's still budgets and the pandemic hasn't really helped uh, anybody that's for sure um, pick value is interesting because you know you're heading into this draft. Has you know before this draft has the following year's draft value of picks is it elevated this year? Looking ahead to, to next year's pick value, if you were to make a deal and include next year's first round pick, is that worth more this year than it would be in the past? Uh, possibly. Like next year's draft looks like it's going to be a good draft, uh, potentially really good draft. Also, I think teams. You know, our, our staff is sizable. We've, we've had the resources to our, for our guys to travel and whatnot. In some cases, some teams haven't. Some teams yeah. haven't been allowed to travel. Uh, not or some, a lot of cases for safety reasons and just internal, um, you know, processes. And, and in some cases, it's budgetary. So, um, you know, scouting totally on video is dangerous. Uh, it's, it's obviously a great tool, and our, our guys have – on a comfort level and will continue to use it going forward more and more so in addition to what they they see live but um i don't think especially when you get into the mid rounds or um, certain players they have the same comfort level you have with the players so maybe certain teams are willing to move a pick from this year to uh, rather than next year uh, but again that's to every team's different yeah um, let me ask you about players coming in. you've been at this for 25 years you and i are roughly the same age i'm a couple of years older but um happy birthday by the way uh, was oh, thank June. You. <laughs> uh, but let me ask you about players coming in and draft eligibles now do, do you over the 25 years what's changed are, are they are they more mature physically and mentally off the ice i mean just in, in my time coaching youth levels the players at, at younger ages seem more you know, have better hockey IQ. Maybe it's because they commit to the sport at a younger age or just coaching has changed and gotten better uh, in USA Hockey and Hockey Canada and everywhere at developing players. Have you seen a big difference over the years? Oh, for sure. No, I, I think, uh, I don't know if hockey sense has changed. I, I do think uh, players, uh, especially in the U.S., um, you know, they players are much faster, much stronger. They're uh, they've been trained specifically in hockey since they're 10 years old. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's not. I, yeah. I like the well-rounded athlete. I like players, especially young kids playing all sports and, um, you know, Agreed. just becoming athletes and, you know, they'll concentrate. A good athlete will become a good hockey player down the road. But I think what you're seeing, though, which is exciting for the game, is that you're getting players and elite players coming from all different areas. And Austin Matthews from Arizona and Seth Jones from Dallas and uh, Checker and I actually played – his, his dad was my defense partner in the Florida Beer League way back in the day, but uh, <laughs> grew up in, in in Fort Lauderdale, so or Boca. So uh, to see these and the number of players, we got Cam York at LA, and um, you know it's just 
Ronnie Adder's out of Virginia. So it's there's a lot of players coming from a lot of different areas. Uh, some players are come along at different rates, and uh, but to see these players come out of these areas is exciting, and, and that's what makes it, you know, for the future of the NHL, very exciting. There's a lot of players coming from everywhere. It's not just Canada anymore or just Russia. Or, um, you know, the amount of players that Sweden and Finland seem to be producing every year. And now Germany's pumping out players, uh, it seems, annually. Um, so that's a good thing uh, for the health of the game. You're seeing some from this area too, so Jersey kids yep, and, and Pennsylvania sure. kids. I mean, they, they're coming from all over. Um, do you get a chance to look at any of the guys that are right here in your own backyard, at maybe a younger age? I know that you haven't been in Philly a tremendous, but like Tyler Boucher, Brian Boucher's son, yeah, is yep. in the draft this year and played at the NTDP, had, had some injuries that he dealt with. But uh, it's good to see those young players from this area really kind of jump yeah, to the next level. Yeah, for sure. You know, Philly, Jersey, they've quietly produced players for a long time now, Bobby Ryan's and we drafted way back in Anaheim, and um, but yeah, no New Jersey, and you know just with the like success of the James, teams around here, yeah. uh, have, have produced players, and uh, you're seeing that expand, um, you know, every year. St. Louis a couple of years ago, uh, you know, Blues have been around for a long time, but it hasn't been a traditional uh, hotbed for young players coming out of there. And then Keith Kachuk and uh, McInnes and all these guys coach all these young kids growing up together, and all of a sudden five or six of them are top two round picks in the same draft year, so. To see things like that happening, it's uh, it's exciting, and uh, whenever you get your top athletes playing hockey and, and, and growing in the game, it's uh, you wind up with some pretty good players down the road. Let me ask you real quick about evaluation of goaltenders. That's a very difficult position to project, and it, the fact of the matter with goalies is you only have one net. So, you know, a, a skater, you have more opportunity to develop in some ways through game situation. Goaltenders, you're limited. You know, you have your NHL club, you have your AHL club. There's not, not a lot of spots for the position. So when you look in the first round, and, and you guys may fall into a position where a couple guys are available, like Sebastian Casa or you know some of these uh, goalies that uh, are, are first-round worthy, um, when you look at that, uh, how do you kind of weigh that part of it when it comes to picking a goalie there? And, and let me just say real quick that if you guys do pick a goalie and you do have the 13th pick, it doesn't mean you don't value the guy that you have in Carter Hart. I, I keep reiterating that for the people. Yeah, but the thing that <laughs> – fans and people got to understand when you're drafting a goalie not many Carter Hart's around where they can are playing at 21 uh, in reality there are two more years of junior two to three more years in the American League typically a backup maybe in the NHL and then they find their way so uh, the process of becoming an NHL goalie is it's a challenge it, it takes a lot of time and development and resources from not only your goalie coaches development staff and and that so it's uh you know, that's the thing. That's why you, sometimes you, when you see a GM joke that uh, when they draft a goalie in the first round that he hopes to get to meet him one day, that's the <laughs> that's just the reality of it. They do take time, and uh, obviously there's outliers that, that play quicker than others. But in, uh, um, you know, what you see at a 17 each, you know, a lot of goalies, the Hellebucks and these guys have come from different areas in later rounds that just developed at different paces. And uh, sometimes goalies, young goalies don't get to play in junior. Um it's just a, it's a tough one to predict, and that's where the guys, you know, we have some guys on staff that uh, evaluate goalies well, and, and we also use our resources for our goalie coaches and goalie development coaches that we make sure to do a, a thorough job uh, evaluating talent, uh, goaltending position by video or in person as well.
how much communication goes on between like you guys and, and the junior team where guys you draft are there uh, you know throughout a season you know how because you are separate entities in a lot of ways like Carter was with the Everett Silvertips and just not even just goalies but in general how much communication kind of happens back and forth there about players throughout the season once they're drafted or prior to being drafted once, once you have the rights and you draft them yeah no I think once once they're drafted our you know our development guys uh, probably speak to them once a week uh, and then usually the teams will have a relationship with the whether it's a GM the head coach or assistant coach or Sometimes a trainer we, we keep in touch with just to see how they're doing, uh, not only on the ice but off the ice, and, and make sure their head's in the right spot and they're they're getting better every day. So no, we have a pretty much a constant line of communication communication between our development staff and also our scouts that are on the ground uh, that know all these coaches and, and uh, have relationships with them. So they cross paths with them when they see them, and and uh, but yeah, no, it's a pretty much ongoing thing. Last thing for you, Brent. Um, you know, last year's draft, you, you take Tyson Forster in the first round. He gets the opportunity to play in the AHL because uh, of the pandemic. And, you know, uh, boy, I think he really benefited from it quite a bit. And he was really uh, a dynamic player. Showed some things that I wasn't sure about his game. Hands in tight. We know about the shot and his skating ability and, and, and offensive, you know, abilities to get the puck to the net from anywhere in the offensive zone. What you see out of Tyson? You had to be impressed with, uh, you know, what he brought to the table at the AHL level. Yeah, you know, he he uh, surpassed our expectations for sure. Um, you know, you never know what an 18-year-old kid, I, I'm always nervous putting young kids in the American League in general just because of the physical disparity and where players are. Uh, but he stepped in um, right from the first day of camp, really, and with the big players. And a lot of kids dip their toes in, just try to figure out, try not to make mistakes. And he wasn't like that. He was a kid that he wants the puck. He wants to make a difference every night. And, uh, you know, he had a very couple games where he just tried to figure it out and after that he was up and running so uh then he got injured unfortunately right away but he once he got back from there he seemed to go and and uh you know he was arguably one of our better players every night he went to see him play and uh and not just offensively i think defensively uh, he, our coaches raved about his inability to track and read plays and do little things but he's driven he's a gamer he, he wants to be a player and best thing about him you know even the veterans migrate to him just because he he loves the game he walks in with a smile on his face every day and you can tell he he's a hockey player which is which is exciting so hopefully just i just told him don't change just keep working and and, uh, and you'll get there you called him the greatest thing in the world that athletes love to be called and that's a gamer you know that that's you know he's a hockey player i'd last one more question for you uh cam york uh turned pro after his college season at michigan last year Got into a couple games at the AH, or AHL level, really settled in after you know not playing for a while, and then saw a couple games in the NHL level. Boy, did he look just so calm on the ice! It didn't look like he was overwhelmed in any way, shape, or form, and you know played his game. That's sometimes hard to do for a young guy making that jump from college to the AHL and then the NHL so quickly. Were you impressed with just how calm he looked, and you know little plays, laying pucks off, putting pucks into places, and and not trying to do too much. Yeah, that, that's kind of been his MO his whole career. So I think one of our scouts, Dennis Patterson, said he's never in a hurry. Like he's always making the right play. And a lot of the subtle little plays, the short passes, short outlets that he does. And, you know, you try to teach other young defensemen to do. And, you know, the other defensemen want to skate 20 strides and try to be flash. And can, a lot of time he can do that. But at the same time, he lets the puck do the work uh, most times and not. Then we'll jump up in the play and. Uh, but yeah, no, he, his, uh, his poise, his, his vision, and obviously his, his uh, understanding of the game is, 
is a big strength and obviously he's got very good hands and terrific skater as well but um yeah the the head for the game and his, he's a quick learner you know, he's a quick study um, and he is a quietly competitive kid too that um he's really driven internally and he's a he's a guy that we obviously are very excited about going forward and um at the same time he's a young defenseman that it's going to have lots to learn in, at the nhl level and uh but i, I do think as i said uh, previously it, to get those games in the NHL and, and games and get a taste of the NHL against quality competition uh, is huge going into an off season where you have a few months to, to prepare, get stronger and, and understand what you're up against uh, going forward. So yeah, it'll be really interesting to see where he's in camp. Yeah, no, uh, he's going to be one of those guys really to keep an eye on because you, you're right. Getting that little bit of data for him, knowing now what he needs to do. And we know what he, the kind of muscle he put on in the previous offseason, too. He works his butt off, so that's yeah. great to see. Uh, Brent, we appreciate this as always. Uh, good luck with the expansion draft coming up this weekend, the NHL draft around the corner. We appreciate the time as always. Best of luck. All right, anytime. Thanks to Brent Flair for joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily. We'll be back on Friday with another brand new one. Bill Meltzer will join us, and we'll break down what is ahead here in this very critical offseason for the Flyers. A lot of the happenings are going to start to take place this weekend with the protection list and then obviously the expansion draft soon thereafter. Coming up in just a week from today, July 21st, the expansion draft will take place at 8 p.m. Eastern. Everybody, thanks for listening. Enjoy your Wednesday, and we'll check you out on a new episode of Flyers Daily Friday.